This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 303 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Brought to you by Biomita Dewormers, Mill Creek Spreaders, Corigem Superior Topical Wound and Infection Remedy, and Total Saddle Fit. This is Reese Koffler Stanfield from Wellington, Florida. And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hey, Philip. Hey, we're by ourselves. I <laughs> know. Get, Can you Glenn believe would, it? We'd chime in there, and then we'd get talking. Sometimes it feels uh, weird. It's just us. <laughs> <laughs> How are you today? I'm doing good. Sun shining, riding horses, having a good time. Life's Sounds like be you better. can see the grass. Yeah, we could see the grass. That is still awesome. a bit of snow hanging around, but uh, I, I saw a bunch of robins on Saturday, so I'm like, all right, now it's time. That's a, is that, Ready that's for warm sign? weather. Yeah, I you like know it. about the robins. You know. The, okay, let's just say the birds are returning from the south. <laughs> uh, no, it doesn't get cold enough where I live that the birds vacate. No way. Really? Not really. And, and the Canada just... geese. You, you'll, you'll be seeing less Canada geese in yes, uh, Florida. Yes, they're going back to Canada. I love they're it. going back to Canada. So. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that's, oh, that's great. Good. How are you doing? What's, what's doing great? What's new we, in Florida? It's been busy, actually. We oh, uh, I showed today. It was great. Oh, um, gotta love it. It's two, it's a Thursday, so you gotta like that we showed. So we showed over the weekend, and my young horse did really, really well both days. So hopefully he'll be all set for the U.S. Young Horse Finals in August. They're so that was way, a lot of fun. From August. I know. Is it funny? It's <laughs> kind of nice, nice to have. To, yeah, get your qualifiers in. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and and um, you know, for us, that's it, it, we'll talk about it a little later in the show with Hillary Moore Hebert. But um, you know, it's very easy to show here, and it's nice. And I will tell you, if you have any show nerves, you'll get rid of them here because you can show every day almost. Yeah. And uh, we literally we leave an hour before we're getting on for warm up. The horses are ready. You know, they're they're ready. They're and yeah. And you show and you go home. And you're home, and it's pretty darn awesome. So <laughs> you know, it's and uh, you know, for us in Kentucky, we have some that are close in in Kentucky, but there's some we have to drive for. So oh my goodness, it saves a lot of time and energy. So that's really cool. Oh, so I think that's great because you can kind of get your qualifiers out of the way and then devote your time and energy, you know, to the students in Kentucky and and helping them reach their goals and all all, yeah. all that kind of fun stuff. You don't have to be doing it at the same time. Which yeah, a little bit ma- maniacal. <laughs> I don't know if that's a word, but we'll go with it. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly right. So it's really good, and, and actually, we show this weekend, um, and then we pack up and head home on Monday. So looking right. for it, I'm ready, ready to. I know with the birds, right? With the, the birds are moving, and so are we. So oh. I think that's a good way. But no, we're really we're um, you know the. It's never fun to pack a barn of 11 horses and people, and um, but it, I'll be really happy when everybody is home safe and sound, and, and that'll be fantastic. But we start on Monday, so uh, and then we'll be back and, and ready to get the Spring in Kentucky is the best. We've talked about it before yeah, on the show. For sure. It's the best time to be in Kentucky, so <laughs> we're really looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, what do, what do we got on the show this week? We've got some great uh, stuff on the show. Hillary Moore Hebert from Dressage Today is coming on uh, for her monthly segment, which we love. And we have Lauren Spreiser uh, coming on. She's a friend of the show and friend of Philip and I, FEI competitor. And uh, she started something kind of new in her life. So we're going to hear all about that. So uh, that's cool. I love it. Well, we have a couple of things in news, Philip. What's going on? Let's get the news. Um, Christine Christine Traurig is now named the USA Young Horse Coach. Uh, she rode in for the United States in the bronze medal team in the 2000 Olympic Games in Sydney. And uh, she's 56 years old from Carlsbad, California, and she will succeed Scott Hassler, who retires on May 1st from the position to, he held for almost 10 years as the U.S. Young Horse Coach. And uh, we both worked with Scott, and he's great, and he's been awesome, and has been um, just sort of kind of set up the program, right? Now yes. uh, Christine's going to take over for him, so that's uh, that's good news. Yeah, really good news, and and that's very uh, exciting for for all of us. And I'm I'm looking forward to working with her myself, so that'll be fun. And then the other thing is that um, you know some more stats from the Global Dressage Festival. It will end with another record. The final week of the Adequin Global Dressage Festival, featuring the Nations Cup, will set another record for international entries 
with 338 rides that will bring the total starts to 1,631 over the seven weeks of CDI competitions at the Palm Beach International Equestrian Center Stadium grounds. That's a lot of rides. That's a lot of rides. I can tell you, <laughs> you can literally see a show in pretty much any level, uh, anytime during the, the week. So it, it is really cool. And it's, you know, I try, it's, it's, it's hard, um, you know, working and having a lot of horses, but I do try to go to the horse show or stick around and watch some rides. And, uh, it's very educational to do that. So, yeah. I mean, it's great as a trainer to be able to always work on your eye, you know, and, and see, you know, in person, you know, this, mm-hmm. I mean, we've we got a lot of technology to be able to ri- see rides, you know, with, uh, with the internet and with YouTube and all this, but there's nothing like watching a horse in, you know, in person. And, and, you know, there's just something about video that, that screws up. The yeah. Time, you know, just, I don't know what yeah. it is, whether the, the video is compressed or, or what. So, uh, if you ever get an opportunity to see an international show, go and watch and you'll learn a lot. And watch yeah. the warm up, you know, watching the warm up and see how different riders deal with different types of horses and, and, you know, watching a horse warm up and then watching his test, you can learn a ton. And so that, that's a, a big advantage to not only being able to really easily go to the shows and get on your own horses, but to go over and get some education for the eye. Because you, you, the only thing is that you, you take that away and you're going to help your riders. So you're going to help your own rider. You're going to help anybody that you help from the ground. So, um, that's huge and a really, think that's awesome to be able to see and now with more and more international riders you know coming from europe coming from england you know to go to to go to florida that's even more reason to to get down there at least for a few days or a week or so it's awesome very true very true well right after this commercial break we're going to come back with hillary moore hebert for dressage today's segment of the month we all know the importance of deworming our horses, and Dr. Ellefson of Biomedia Equine is helping us make sure we are doing it right. Listen for his four-part series the first week of every month on this very show. I just wanted to remind everyone, if you are due for deworming, why not save a few bucks on the popular Biomedia line of wormers, including Equimax, Bimectin, Exodus, Exodus Multidose, and Equal. You can find coupons and special offers at buymediaequine.com, including a variety of rebate offers from cash to free ivermectin. You can also get up to $2 a dose back for Equimax. And while you're at Buy Me to Equine, get your free horse health record keeper, and you can just download it there. Plus, learn a bunch about parasites and deworming at Buy Me to, that's B-I-M-E-D-A, equine.com. We at the Horse Radio Network all use Buy Me to Dewormers because we want the best for our horses, and we know you want the best for yours, too. Buy Me to equine.com and tell them the Horse Radio Network sent you. Monty Roberts has been using and talking about CoreGem for four years now. CoreGem is one of the leading suppliers of Brazilian killer bee propolis, both in liquid and cream. As horse owners, we want a topical product that provides superior results for girthage, saddle irritation, rain rot, and all fungal issues, even scratches and ringworm. CoreGem does it all. We also want a product that heals wounds fast and minimizes the appearance of scars. CoreGem does that too. And we want it to regrow hair in affected area and reduce skin inflammation, and Corgem does that. Plus, it contains no steroids, antibiotics, or chloride. It is non-toxic. It's even safe when your horses lick it, and we know they will. Used and recommended by veterinarians, breeders, and trainers from all over. Get Corgem today at CorgemAnimals.com. That's C-O-R-I-G-E-M Animals.com. And use the coupon code HRN and 2015 that stands for horse radio network hrn 2015 and get 10% off your next order just because you're a listener to this show that's hrn 2015 at corage well this is our favorite favorite segment of the month hillary moore hebert contributing editor to dressage today is on hillary how are you I am doing great. How are you guys? We're good. We are awesome. We are ready for some some wonderful tips from Dressage today. So where should we get started? Okay. Okay. So um, the first place that I wanted to go was telling all of you guys that DressageToday.com 
has a whole section devoted to World Cup. So for everyone who's interested in following results and what's going on, um, you know, more from the news side, all of that's there. But there's also some cool stuff, too, um, that's coming in uh, related to, like, Adrienne Lyla's blogging, talking about some of the stuff she's up to. The really neat thing that I saw um, in her most recent blog post, just to give you guys a taste, is she was talking about how they're doing a retirement ceremony for Wizard there. Um, and so I thought that it was really neat. But, you know, it's kind of insider stuff like that. So I would definitely encourage people to check it out. That's awesome. Oh. We're on, like, the, the one-month countdown to World Cup now. So everybody who's going and everybody who's kind of, you know, keeping up with that, it's, it's great that the magazine is is helping with that because it's a great event to be held in North America. And I'm excited so, they're doing a retirement for Wizards. Sorry about that. Like, that is great. The Thomas and Mac Arena, um, the Thomases were um, our, our, our Adrian sponsor uh, on that horse. So that's pretty cool. That's some insider on that. That's neat. And I always get really emotional when I see this kind of thing. So that's the type of thing that I look out for because whenever you see that, you know, it's like when um, – George Williams had the retirement, um, Devin and stuff. I just think that kind of thing is really cool. I really like how our sport, you know, maybe more so than certain other disciplines, really has a connection with specific horses. So you can get to the point where you have a connection with them, you know, as a partnership, but also the horse is an athlete. And so I really like that. Love it. Love it. So what's our next uh, tip? Okay, so speaking of, you know, perennial competitors, Stephen Peters, also, you know, a, a World Cup alum, um, he has a words of wisdom, and I thought this was neat. He said, regardless of the age of the horse, it is important to wait with the training until he was relaxed and trust the rider. And I thought that that was really good advice because I think as we're getting into show season here in Maryland, it's really important to think about that because... You can get to the point where you're so busy trying to, you know, drill all of the different, um, you know, movements that you need. It's easy to lose the overall quality, Um, you know, and a lot of my students lately, we've really been working on that, and they see that if you get the quality first, then all of the movements come a lot more easily, even if you haven't been necessarily practicing them specifically. Yeah, I think for sure. I mean, if we get back to, you know, the World Cup stage and and the top sport and all of that, we we saw in the past, you know, probably around the the 2000s, you know, some horses that were um, produced that were really top horses, but that have had quite a bit of tension. And I'm really pleased to see, you know, that top level. Now, all the horses that are, are scoring and winning classes look super, super duper relaxed. And that's, I think that's really good. And it just, it trickles down from the top, you know, for what you want to see and what you want to be producing in your riding all the way through, you know, to the to professional riders, to all the way down to the amateurs. And I think that's been a, an awesome development uh, of, of our sport and for horses and for riders and, and really fun to see and a great tip from Stefan Peters. Yeah. yeah and, and I think that, you know, that's the best part. When you get to go to a show... Uh, if it's Grand Prix or honestly, if it's training level and you feel your horse say, okay, this is, this is a hard environment, but I'm listening and I'm with you. And that's the coolest experience. And, um, you know, I, being lucky enough to be here in Florida, we've been showing and, um, I actually have shown two new horses to my program. Both we purchased last year and both are actually the same age. They're both six. Um, and one's a training level horse and one is, is my older horse. And, um, you know, it's amazing how much time, you know, we've taken them on field trips and we went to a schooling show and we schooled at some venues. I mean, it takes a long time to get to the horse show, but we've been doing it for the last three months. And, and both those horses have really come around and I can feel them. They're, they're now like, okay, I'm trusting you. And we're now finally getting those tests that you want. And, um, I think we all sometimes, you know, we rush it a little bit, uh, or, you know, in Florida, there's so many options here. So it's really simple to sort of say, okay, I'm going to show them here. I'm going to take a week off. I'm going to show them. I, if I need to show four days in a row, I can. Um, but I think up north we get stuck. Uh, you know, there's only so many horse shows you can go to. So uh, that's that's tricky. But I think that, that having that with your horse is really important and uh, really fun when you find it. 
Yeah, so that ties in really well to the next tip that I have with Helen Longa Hennenberg, who won World Cup in 2013 in Sweden. She really builds on, you know, that concept and also what Stefan Peter says, because she talks about in relation to submission. That she says, to me, a submissive horse is one that is supple, loose, happy, and reacting on my dressage training aids. The whole horse swings so it's easy to get into his rhythm. The horse's paces go from the hind legs towards the bit, and he carries me. And I like that tip because it builds on just the idea of relaxation and takes it to that next step um, that I think sometimes with uh, people that I teach, I notice they get sometimes so much into the relaxation that they're kind of riding around a little bit like they're in a pleasure class, and you need to get it so that the horse is, you know, as she said, carrying you and has um, you know, his hind legs going towards the bit. So I like that idea of a little bit more power, um, you know, and building off what you said, Reese, where you have that, that happiness, that swinginess that you have at the show, but then you can, you know, go for it after that. Yeah, I think it's important. I've been working on it with some students uh, this week as well. And to think, okay, you, you got to at first lay down, you know, a test or a movement that feels comfortable to you. Right and comfortable to the horse, so the contact is right, and you know, and everything feels feels good. But don't hang out there. Don't hang out in the safe zone. And say, okay, this feels good. You know, this is a good shoulder in. I want to go for a little more swing, and I'll, and I say, just kind of work on doing the movement, then straightening your elbow and pushing that that horse out to the bit a little bit more. I mean, it always, you know, it always makes an an okay movement better it doesn't matter the horse you know whether he's got a big gate or a small gate but i mean you gotta you know when you're showing you gotta say okay i gotta add a little spark a little pizzazz to it and at home you have to practice that as well right to say to never say okay it's done right that was nobody ever ever says oh that was the perfect shoulder and that's the perfect diagonal it's, you know but you could say this feels good let's go for more right and i think that's you know relaxation is is great and we talk about it quite a bit recent i the relaxation is great but if you if you stop there, you're not done. You're not polishing it. You're not making it what it what it can be. You're not taking it from a six to a seven or an eight. And I think that's that's a that's a skill, and that needs you know eyes on the ground a little bit, and that needs it needs practice, and it needs uh, time to be able to to develop. What do you think, Reese? Yeah, no, I I think you're right. And and you know, Phil, when you when we work together and you come down and help me with the horses, we always work on that. You know, it's like okay, that that looks good, like that's good, but how do we make it that much better? And I, right. I think, you know, when, whenever you do that, um, there's a level of, uh, you know, positive tension that you add in. So sometimes it doesn't feel quite as good uh, for a few steps. And, and and so, yeah, I agree. And having having the eyes on the ground and having the help and, you know, you don't want to turn the relaxation and a super supple, nice horse into the crazy maniac. I mean, that's not what we're saying. It's just how do you press for a little bit more? And uh, you absolutely need to do it in training and, and it doesn't have to be a very long time. I think that's the other thing. You maybe get a super trot for 30 seconds, a minute, and then that's what you needed for the day just to say, okay, when we go to the ring, this is how we're going to do it. Yeah. I mean, this, you know, when you think about it, the test is only five, 10 minutes, you know, depending what mm -hmm. test you're doing, whatever. I mean, you need to develop the trot, the canter, the walk that you're going to show off in that test. That doesn't mean you have to go and ride for an hour and say, this is a trot, this is a trot, this is a trot. You say, no, when I want to turn it on and I want to show the judges and I want to show everybody else, you know, what's really good and special about my horse, then you do it for that two minutes. And then, and then you say, okay, that was good. That's a lot of hard work and you're not going to, you know, tire them out and do that every day. And, you know, so that's part of it. And the other part is to say, you know, and I say this to the, to riders a lot is that, yeah, that, that trot's okay. And that trot's really easy to sit to, but that's not necessarily the trot that you want to show off, right? And, you know, right. that's, that's a struggle for a lot of riders is to say, oh, you know, you, you're, you know, my coach is saying that's the trot that I want. That's the trot that I want. But Frank, is it hard to sit to? Or that canter <laughs> is exactly what, what you want to be showing in the ring. But darn, isn't that, you know, I feel like I'm getting thrown around and say, well, get thrown around until you're comfortable with that sort of thing. Right. So you plug away a little bit at it every day and, and you know when to turn it on and, you know, when to turn it off. And, and you know, a, a dressage horse has to have 12 different trots. Right, and you got to know which one you want at the time for for what purpose. Don't you think, Hillary? Yes, I agree. And the next tip, actually, that I have, 
um, works perfectly for that because it is a tip that Suzanne Von Dietz has for the clinic on how to sit that gait. Um, and she talks about the two things that are sort of common mistakes. The first is that when you ask for the stretch, sitting back to support that change of balance. So, you know, there is not necessarily an increase in speed. Um, there is a, a change in stretch and sort of the relative sense of where your horse has suddenly disappeared to in front of you. Um, and she said it's a common mistake for people to kind of then lean forward to accommodate that, but you need to sit back and be more comfortable, you know, in a place that may not feel as, as natural to you. Um, so that was her first tip, but the next one relates also to the canter. You can do this. Um, if you feel like it's too overwhelming to sit back like that, she said to take your reins in your inside hand and take the cancel with your outside hand. Um, and especially in canter, when you do that, um, it will pull you deeper into the saddle. And this is a good feeling to have um, so that you can start to feel, especially too, what's happening with that outside hind leg landing. Um, and then you can start to time your weight and have it start to come to use his hind leg and free his shoulder. Um, and I, I thought that that was a really helpful way to think about that because I think we all would sort of say, okay, now ride the bigger gate, but, you know, the question is, how do you do that? So I thought that was a neat tip that she gave us. Hang on. I, I want to just back up a Did you say uh-huh. take your outside hand and put it on the cantle? Yeah, the Behind cantle. Your seat? Yeah. Okay. Oh. That's cool. I haven't heard that. Me either. That's, That's something really new interesting. Every day. So... Because um, I read the clinic all the time and I have the privilege, you know, for a long time of editing it, I kind of have these little secret things that I know. And if you do that, um, I have even some students who, you know, they work 12-hour days and then sit in the car in our wonderful D.C. traffic. If you do that in rising trot and grab the reins with your inside hand and grab that uh, cancel, not the pommel, the cancel, and rise in your trot in each direction – it will really loosen up your hips a lot and make it easier to kind of get deeper into the saddle. Um, so this is a tip that's one of my favorites that I use myself and also for my students. Guess what I'm doing oh, tomorrow? Which I was just going to say, are we, we are tomorrow? all <laughs> trying that tomorrow. Right. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome. This is why well, we love I'm, having Hillary yeah, on. Yeah, this you know, is why we do this. Even though we think we've read it all and, and seen it all, there's always something new. I love it. That's crazy. You know, I, I, I'm like, I'm excited. I'm going to take a picture tomorrow. But, um, you know, do it on a safe horse with wearing your helmet. Just just have to plug that. Um, and but, it is important, I said, with the, hold the reins with your inside hand. Because yeah. when you do that, you're a little bit more opening to the outside. And it makes it so that as you ride on the rail, you know, it keeps you a little bit more in place. You know, I wouldn't be out, you know, doing this in the middle of the field or something. You want to kind of be caught between the rail and your inside hand holding the reins as you're doing this. Okay. That's really cool. Okay, so that leads me to my last tip, and that is that Suzanne does the clinic every single month for the magazine. She is phenomenal, and as you guys can tell, I'm obsessed with her uh, information because I pretty much talk about it every single month. Yeah. Um, But you can submit your own photos for critique. So instead of us just stumbling upon things that seem to apply to us, whether you're a professional or an amateur, um, you know, she welcomes everything. And obviously, we all know all of us can stand to have some feedback. She has a very different approach in a way that comes from, you know, her uh, diverse background. Um, so if anyone's interested, I really encourage you to submit something. So you can submit your photo, um, a high-resolution photo that either you own right to from a show photographer or if you have someone in your family who took a digital photo of you, um, you know, from a clinic or something. And you can just submit it to Dressage Today at aimmedia.com. Um, make sure you have your helmet is an absolute must. And then besides that, I just tell people, you know, what would you want to have a picture of yourself in a magazine? So... You know, try to have your shirt tucked in and looking sharp. Um, but other than that, I mean, I really have never seen feedback where she give a tip that I, um, you know, think is just fantastic. And 50% of the time, I've never heard anything like it. So it, it's yeah, really I mean, it's a an wonderful awesome, thing. It's an awesome segment. And I guess if you don't have any 
have any photos, then, you know, what are you going to, you know, what can you critique? We as trainers learn something every, every time we, uh, we talk about our tips and stuff. So we definitely need riders and people to, to be submitting photos. And so we have something to talk about because it's great. Right. Well, Hillary, we really thank you for, uh, for coming on our show again this month and giving us some awesome stuff to, to talk about and some tips for, for our listeners. Um, how can people find out about the magazine or find out more information? So, in addition to, you know, the regular subscription-based magazine, um, you know, you can go to dressagetoday.com. Don't forget to check out that New World Cup section. Um, you know, also Facebook, which is also having a lot of World Cup coverage with some training tips and other things related as well. Um, and also on Twitter, Pinterest, and YouTube. Awesome. Well, thanks again, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next month. So you've been thinking about getting a manure spreader? Well, here's why I think you should consider Mill Creek. They've been in business for almost 30 years with continuously improved designs to meet the needs of horse owners like you. At Mill Creek, models are virtually maintenance and trouble-free thanks to their exclusive sealed bearings. They're the only compact spreaders you'll find like that. Mill Creek customer service is second to none. Call them and you'll reach a knowledgeable person in their own factory right in Pennsylvania. With eight models available, they're happy to help you choose the right spreader for your budget and barn. Five models can be pulled with ATV or garden tractors. If you'd rather have a PTO drive, they've got those too. And Mill Creek spreaders have the lowest sides and tongue weight of any on the market. One of the biggest problems we always had with our spreaders is they just rust. Everything rusts out, and then you have to replace the metal, and it's just a pain. If you don't want to ever have to worry about your manure spreader rusting again, then consider the Mill Creek Stainless Steel line. They are the world's first and only compact manure spreaders built out of stainless steel, and they're warranted against rust-through for life. Julie Goodnight, clinician and star of Horse Master with Julie Goodnight on RFD-TV, has owned and used the Mill Creek Spreader every day for over nine years. She knows they represent great value and quality and is proud to endorse them. So for the best compact manure spreading equipment you can buy, check out Man- Mill Creek's lineup. Years of trouble-free operation will get you out of the barn faster and give you more time for your horses. Give them a call today at 800-311-1323 or visit their website at millcreekspreaders.com. It is my pleasure this evening to welcome FEI rider, trainer, extraordinaire, Lauren Spreiser to the show. How are you, Lauren? I'm great, thanks. How are you guys? Well, we always love having you on. You're a good talker. Lauren's a good talker. (laughs) Like (laughs) us, Philip. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Lauren, I actually, I I, I was looking just for for ideas with the show, and I saw that, I thought you had written a book about fitness and about being a triathlete, but uh, I was wrong. You wrote an article for Dressage Today or Dressage Connections? This Uh, is the USDF Connections. Perfect. About sort of your journey. Um, so can you just tell us about it? Sure. I got into running a couple of years ago. I am, uh, if I was a horse, you would call me an easy keeper. And <laughs> I needed, I needed to find something else to do because I'm just not willing to give up food and I still need to fit into white pants. And mm-hmm. so I started running and then I got hurt because that's what a lot of people do when they start running. Yeah. And it brought me to swimming, which is something that I'd done as a kid. And I remember being in the pool one day and thinking, huh, I know how to run. I'll, I'll get back to running as soon as I'm healed. I was a good swimmer as a kid. I'm, a, I'm a, still a pretty useful swimmer. I am two-thirds of the way to a triathlon. All I really need to do is get myself a bicycle, and I could do, and I could do a triathlon. And that could be something that I do besides riding. And I went to my local bike shop, and they hooked me up with a bike. And... I entered my first race, and I was hooked. I was a junkie. Really? So I've done a couple now. Yeah, I've done a couple now. They're they're really fun. It's a wonderful group of people, but it's also something that I do that has absolutely nothing to do with my day job. And uh, when when you're a horse person, when you're a horse trainer, you know, I'm on my first horse at 6.45 in the morning, and there are days I'm not done until 9 o'clock at night with no gaps, 
it's really nice to have something else that I do. So you got yourself a hobby. That I do. You I got a hobby. Yeah, exactly. That is so cool. I was, and I was going to chime in, you know, for, for all three of us, it is our job. This is, this is our day job. This is how we make our money. Um, and as much as we love our job, I think some people do can, can forget that they sometimes, even if you love your job, which I, I know all three of us love our jobs, there are times when it's a job and, you know, we have to go and maybe we're tired or, or whatever, hungry or, you know, and, and it's a job. So it is important. I, and I, and I love that you've gotten a hobby because, you know, I, I have some things I like to do. I know Philip likes to do some different things. So, uh, and what a better, I mean, there can't be better hobby than doing some fitness oh, work. Fitness, yeah. Amazing. Sure. So <laughs> that takes a lot of hard- energy though. Yeah. I, I don't know how you have the energy to do it. I'm so impressed. So that is a question. Like, how do you have the energy to train for another sport when you already ride FEI horses? You know, you just find ways. I'm, I'm kind of an annoying morning person. And so I do, I do most of my riding in the mornings, which leaves me with the rest of my day to teach and, and help other people with their horses. And I will find myself, you know, just sitting around in a, in a chair teaching all day long if I let myself do that. And I said, you know what? I've got to find, I've, I've got to, got to find the, the enthusiasm, the strength, the energy to go do other things and, and having a goal of having a race coming up or having, um, I'm, I'm part of a bike group. I, I, every Monday night when I'm at home in Virginia, I join the guys in Warrington, Virginia, and we go biking. And so having that to, having that to look forward to is inspirational. Plus, you know, white breeches. So. There you go. <laughs> I am with you, girlfriend. There's nothing worse than putting those babies on. Uh, so what was the hardest thing that you had training-wise? I mean, I, I know you got hurt running, so you started swimming. So talk to us about what your sort of training regime is. You will find when you talk to triathletes, whether they are the serious lunatic Ironman people or the weekend warrior types like me, that they all have something. One of one of the three disciplines, one of the three sports is their highlight, and one of the three sports is their weakness. Um, and for me, my weakness is hands down the biking. It is my least favorite. I I don't love it. Um, and I'm also just you know I'm I'm not great at it. Not that I'm great at any of them, but of the three, that is that is my weakness. Um, and so after my first race, you know, you do your first one, you sort of making sure that you're not going to die or vomit or die vomiting or both. <laughs> I would probably do both. Um, yeah, I think I would absolutely have that problem. I'm not lying. And then, and then because I'm a neurotic, competitive type A jerk, I said, all right, I want to get better. I want to win. I'm third in my, in my little division in my first one. And I said, screw this. I want to win. I want a bigger shot glass than the little shot glass. Just to get this out, you know, you want the big prize. You want the crappy, the, the, the less crappy 97 cent rivet instead of the crappy 37 cent. Anyway, I, uh, I said I gotta improve my biking. Um, so making myself train for sure was part of it. And they're joining group and having a group of friends who I was, I've, I've become very close to some of the guys in my bike group and, and gals, yeah, they're women too. Um, and so, you know, I want to go hang out on Mondays with my buddy Brad because I like chatting with my buddy Brad. And we, that, that makes me, that makes me go even when I'm tired, even when I don't want to. Doing, you know, having my friends there makes me keep going. Um, buddy system. And then style. also looking. Yeah, no I'm kidding, sorry. right? Buddy system. Oh, absolutely. Pure pressure. You, you go because your buddy's going and your buddy yeah. goes because you're going and then you end up yep. doing it. <laughs> and then we bike 30 miles and we're going to quit sure what happens. Um, I also, there, there needs to be an adjustment on the equipment front. And I think that this, this, uh, to tie into the article that I wrote for the magazine, there's a lot of correlation between dressage and triathlon and in funny little ways. And one of them is your equipment. You know, I, I compete at the schooling show level of triathlons, local triathlons, short distances. So I don't need the bicycle equivalent of a six figure warm blood. But I will do better in my biking if I'm on, you know, uh, a, even a even a cheap racing bike versus the $250 hybrid bike that I started out riding on, the same bike that you would take 
to the grocery store or on the beach or, you know, for a ride with your kids. Um, so upgrading my equipment was also an important part of improving my training and, and getting better in my tiny and insecure little way um, at doing this. Mm. Oh, I think it's fantastic. Um, and so you, you bike once, uh, tell us sort of what your training schedule is. How do you, how do you fit all three? How do you get ready? Well, what's your distances yeah. for your, for your competitions? And then how do you build up so, towards those? So I, the distance that I compete at is the, the smallest competitive division, which is called a sprint. A sprint triathlon is a, depending on the race, a quarter to a half mile swim, a 15 to 20 mile bike and a 5k run. And so to train for that, you know, to be able to do all three of those things, I need to be able to do any one of those things longer. You know, for me to be really good at the swim for a sprint, I need to be able to swim a mile. To be able to be really solid on a 15-mile bike, I need to be able to bike 25 miles. And to be able to be really solid on the, the run, the 5K run, I need to be able to run an 8K or a 10K. Um, I also, so, so I'll bike, I try and bike twice a week again because that's my weakest my weakest phase, I need to hit that a little more. I try and swim once a week. Rarely do I get in more than once a week, but every now and then, um, particularly in the summertime when it's hot, I will sub in some of my runs for my swims because it's way more fun to swim that when it's sense. 97 degrees. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and then, and my runs are easy because I can, I can run anywhere. I can usually get in a quick run between lessons if I need to. Um, you know, I don't have to go home and get my bike or bring my bike to the barn with me. So I, right. I don't always have a running plan because the running is the easiest thing to pick up when I have a spare moment. Um, but yeah, biking two days a week, swimming one day a week, and then running one to two days a week. And again, you know, we're talking about, I am, I am not impressive at this. So, um, you know, that is not how one goes to an Ironman, but it's enough for me to go and complete the race and have a fun time. And I've improved on my times every time. Cool. So, I was just going to ask you, how do you feel like it's changed your riding, or has it changed your riding at all? Um, I have to be a little bit careful, actually, when I run a lot, because I have found that when I run a lot, I get quite tight in my legs, and so I need to make sure that I balance uh, running with yoga. I'm also an avid and not very impressive yogi. Um, so those two things really help keep keep my body in good shape for riding. If I do a lot of running and not a lot of yoga, I get a little tight and a little yuck. Um, I wouldn't say that the triathlon has improved my riding, but it has certainly made me a better a better teacher of beginners. I have become more empathetic towards my beginner students because when I started riding, I was a kid, and kids don't, you know, they don't know. Like, right. They don't know enough to steer. Right. They don't know enough to go, God, I really suck at the sitting trot. We just, you know, wanted to run around on our ponies and get dirty and fall off and giggle yeah. and have fun. That's and a good point. I mean, it's hard yeah. to relate on that level for for anyone that started really young and 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 don't get and so, the you know don't get nervous about riding and stuff like this, right? Yeah, how it's it's just so foreign to me to wrap my head around learning something as an adult because there isn't anything that I there was not before doing triathlon anything that I did on a daily basis that I started as an adult. You know, the, the sports that I took up as a kid and sucked at, I don't play anymore. Um, yeah. And, so, <laughs> and you don't try. So, right. Yeah. And I don't try. Yep. And and this was something that I didn't do as a kid that I liked and wanted to try. And there's a lot of horse people out there with that story. There's a lot of my clients, and I'm sure your guys' clients, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners, who decided to get into dressage or even horses as an adult, and boy, it's a very different process than learning it as a kid. Um, yeah. So this journey has definitely made me has made me empathize with them better. No, I love that. It's so true. You know, whenever you you start something new, you know, or do something new as an you know, Travis and I did a painting class uh, last week in Florida, and you know, we went in, and there were some people that were super super into this painting class, and and he and I are like we don't know how to paint. We just want to try and do something different and have a good time. And, you know, it was funny to sort of be in the class and see the expectations, which mine was very low <laughs> because it's, <laughs> you know, it's my first time. So, you know, I, I, I totally agree with, with when you start something new or do something new, you get a whole different perspective of it. So, um, no, I think that that's, that's really, really good. 
Well, Lauren, as always, thank you so much for coming on the show. We want to keep hearing how these triathlons, I'm, I am personally in awe of you. I'm, I'm very thrilled if I can get in a oh, half an hour yeah. Yeah, yoga class, you know, um, but congratulations and, and love to keep in touch with you and see how your journey is going. Thanks, guys. And Lauren, how do our listeners find you online if they're in the Virginia area? Uh, you can find me in Virginia or anywhere on Facebook. You can search for Lauren Spreiser. You can also uh, see my website at spreisersportcourse.com, or you can find my blogs for the Chronicle of the Horse by going to chronocourse.com. Fantastic. Thanks, Lauren. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, I got an email here from one of our listeners, and, I, and it really gives us an opportunity to answer questions that people are interested in, in hearing instead of us just kind of guessing on what we're going to do a tip on. This is great when we get the email. So here it is. I'm a western rider and thus used to riding on a very loose rein. One of my horses rides better with light contact on the reins. I am not used to feeling contact. How do I feel in my hands the differences between contact and pressure? Also, advice for training my hands to move with this horse such that I don't hit her in the mouth. Well, what do you think? Well, first of all, I, I have to say this because it's a cross-disciplined cross, um, question, is it depends on what bit you're using. So I know that um, a few of the Western bits use uh, leverage as pressure, and so you can't have a, a contact with a horse with a leverage bit. That's that's the same for English style bits that um, you know that use use leverage. You can't think of the second like pelums and, and things like that. So um, contact doesn't work on that kind of bit because a bit teaches that kind of bit teaches the horse to just release the bit and go in a very very too light sort of idea, but. If the horse has a snaffle in his mouth, we we can uh, we can discuss this. That's a that's a great tip. I uh, honestly, Philip, I wouldn't have even thought that. So yes, absolutely. And it, it, this is a great question because even if you aren't crossing disciplines, contact and and how much contact or how little contact or all it, that's a question of riding dressage, right? I mean, how much do you yeah. need versus the level of your horse uh, versus the education or culture level? of your horse is always, is always a big deal. So, I mean, I think when you start to think about contact or, you know, having contact, I think first, uh, you need to think about that your hands and your arms and your elbows on some level always have to follow the bit. There always has to be that sort of light pressure forward. You can never really have an all the time backwards pressure. So that's a good thing to remember that in the walk, trot and canter, your hands are always ever so slightly moving toward the bit. And when you have that and the horses accept that, then you can start talking about pressure and you can start talking about as the horses, you know, contact has to do with the transfer of energy from the hind legs through your seat to your hand. So a lot of people misinterpret contact that it's just the reins. There's just the pressure in the reins. And it's a little bit more complicated than that. And, and that's why it's a huge piece of our, our scale of training uh, it, it's in that scale of training and it, and it has to do with the acceptance of the aids. So if your horse is really strong up front, um, let's say a, a pulling, for example, which is not happening in this particular case, but if a horse is pulling a lot of times, I mean, I would almost bet that the hind legs are not at all either engaged or they need to carry more weight behind. So that's one thing with contact. But when I initially start teaching a horse contact, Sometimes just the, the fact that the horse has a feeling that they're taking the bit, I'm okay with. Um, so again, it depends on the level of education of the horse. It depends on um, sort of what the horse has done in the past. Um, so that's sort of how I start is, is I want a consistent feeling um, in my hands at all three gates. I don't really worry if the horse is on the vertical or on the bit at, the, at that stage of the game. And then as you go and, and continue through the training scale, you want to see the horse getting a little bit more like the rainbow shape. The hind legs and, and, are down and the, the neck comes up and, the, and then their connection at that point gets shorter or tighter. 
Philip yeah, it's, I mean, it's a really, really tricky question. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a, it's a lifetime learning question. And I say that because every horse prefers a type of contact. And so you have to say, is, is the horse doing more or less what I want? Or is it, is it not? Is he pulling on the contact? Is he more hiding behind the contact? Okay, so it's a very, you know, horse-specific thing. And then there are times for more contact and there are times for less contact on the horse, on the day, you know, in the, in a moment that can change whether, you know, and that, and that takes, you know, somebody on the ground helping you a little bit to say, okay, take a little bit more pressure here, you know, for the bending. You want to make a little pressure and to ask the horse a question, you know, that's, that's what, you know, the pressure is, is, is to ask the question, the horse, turn your head this way, turn your head that way, stop, go, you know. So, you know, you can say there is no ideal contact. There's ideal contact for the moment and for that horse and for the level of training. So, I mean, we, we, you, you've asked a fairly simple question, you know, how do I get the, to, to know the difference between contact and pressure? But depending on what you're asking and what you want in the moment, pressure is okay. And, and in, in the next moment, pressure is not okay. So that's, you know, that doesn't make the question really easy to answer for, for Reese or I. Um, you know, for sure, if you have, uh, have some video you want to send to us and we can just, you know, a little clip you can upload to YouTube. And say, what do you think about this picture or that picture? You know, that's a, you know, that's makes the makes the question a little less open ended. But for sure, I think, you know, I'm trying to picture, you know, what's typical of a, a Western type horse that, you know, is really probably what we would say in dressage a little too light on the contact. What you want to do is really ride the horse forward. Doesn't matter what gait, walk, trot, or canter, into a range short enough that you that when you really push the horse forward, that the horse takes a little bit of hold of your hand. And that's how it begins. That, that's all there is to it. So think about not taking the contact so short that before you start pushing the horse, that the horse that that you have contact, make sure you're you're taking it short enough that that you don't have contact while the horse is stopped. And then when you start to move, and as you start to move more and more forward, that the horse uh, that that that's where you find the contact with the forward motion, not just pulling your hands backwards. I think that's the best way to start and the best advice I can give you for, for what I think this situation is. Any other thoughts there, Reese? No, I think that was really good. Uh, the only thing I was going to add when we talked about contact is I think every person, that's why it gets complicated because Philip's connection is going to be different than mine. I personally like a very light connection. I, I had a, when I was younger, had a horse. He was so strong. I actually got some back problems from him. So I don't, when I ride my horses, you know, I don't, I have connection and I feel it, but they're not strong while, um, and this isn't true with Philip. You don't have strong horses either, but there's some riders that ride with really strong connections and, and some people it, really prefer it. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's what they want to do with your training and with what mm-hmm. your, your style is or what, what method of training you came from. So yeah, I, I mean, we say it all the time. You watch, if you go to a show or you go somewhere and you watch 10 different riders that come from 10 different schools, They'll all have a different, a slightly different idea of, of contact and pressure and these sort of things. So, you know, there is a little bit of that personal preference or a style um, thing to do with that. So, it's you know, it's a it's a very complicated question. Yeah, yeah. And we work but, on it. You know, myself, I work on it every single day to, oh, yeah. to ask ask myself at every moment: Is this the right pressure to have? Is it too much? Is it not enough? You know, and it comes with overall training, and it comes with you know, specifically at moments and, and it's, it's tough, but we love the question. Yeah. Great question. Keep them coming. We love them. And we like ones that are a little bit on the complicated side. That's good yeah. for Philip and I. It keeps yeah. us on, a, on our toes. One of the most common and dangerous saddle fit concerns is the restriction of the shoulder's freedom to move. Some saddles slide over the shoulder blade while riding. Some permanently rest on the top of the shoulders and some pinch behind the shoulders which inhibits full movement and leads to soreness and poor conformation. Short of buying an entirely new saddle, what can you do to give your horse the comfort to freely move his shoulders and perform at his highest potential? The saddle fit solution you have been waiting for is finally here. TotalSaddleFit.com is proud to introduce the Shoulder Relief Girth. This strategically shaped girth actually moves the girth line of your saddle back over one inch, thereby freeing your horse's shoulders from the saddle. Traditional girths pull saddles up against a horse's shoulders and often over the top of the shoulders. 
The shoulder relief girth's recessed ends allow for the billets to buckle into the girth farther back to give your horse unparalleled freedom of motion. An added bonus to the shoulder relief girth's unique design is the elbow comfort feature. The recessed ends, designed for saddle fit, now relieve pressure for elbow comfort as well. Similar girths can be purchased for over $275. But thanks to the enormous popularity of the shoulder relief girth, we are able to offer them for only $124.95. We are so certain that your saddle will fit better and your horse will be more comfortable that for a limited time we are offering a 30-day, 110% money-back guarantee. If you are not totally satisfied with your shoulder relief girth, Send it back for a full refund plus 10% of the purchase price. Don't wait. Order now for the best saddle fit solution available. But everybody, yeah, everybody, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com. And my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week for allowing us to put on a show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionet.com. Everybody keep your heels down and your shoulders back. And we will talk to you in two weeks because next week uh, is... The Para Week, and I am heading back to Kentucky. So uh, we will, I will be talking to you next time from my home. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, Philip, I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care, everybody.